0: Welcome to Lectionary Mixtape. I'm your co-host Daniel Eisenberg And I'm your co-host Ben Siebert. Every week we're looking at the text, discussing the text and then offering up our own personalized track for the mixtape, thematically related to the readings.
1: Our conversations will surround uh, the 23rd Sunday after Pentecost, and these texts include Malachi chapter 4 verses 1 through 2A, Second Thessalonians chapter 3 verses 6 through 13, and the Gospel of Luke, chapter 21, verses 5 through 19.
0: Shall I read the first reading? I might yeah. be able to
1: handle it. Yeah, I'm not sure I have the endurance for it, so go on. Okay,
0: let me, let me get ready here. Do a little stretching.
1: <laughs> <clears throat>
0: okay. <laughs> reading from Malachi, chapter four, verses one through one and a half. See, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evil doers will be stubble. The day that comes shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, so that will it will not, excuse me. The day that comes shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who revere my name, the son of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. I got cocky. Yeah, I know.
1: <laughs> I was going to say that too.
0: Like a dozen words and I tripped up on them. Would you say you were the arrogant and you were left like stubble? I was. Yeah, that was it. Man. Burned up like stubble.
1: Well, that came to pass sooner than I thought it would. I think one of the most interesting parts of this pericope is how short this text is. Hmm. I mean, we could include so much else, um, but this is one of the shortest descriptions of this coming day that I remember in scripture. I mean, there might be shorter, but.
0: Yeah, this I don't is pretty know about consigned. as far
1: as pericopes go.
0: That that might be the shortest. I don't know. So we're in Malachi. Mm-hmm. Lots of promises of return from exile. Mm-hmm. This is where we get a lot of different images that contribute to the messianic expectations. Mm-hmm. Uh, chapter three, we usually read during Advent or one of the years during Advent. See, I am sending my messenger to prepare the way before me, and we go. Mm-hmm. Ah, that sounds like John the Baptist.
1: Well, we normally and at the pair very it end of Malachi. Baptist. What's that? I said we normally pair it with John the Baptist.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Usually, and then the same thing. Uh, sometimes the last part of chapter four, the last couple verses, um saying that I will send you the prophet Elijah before the great and terrible day of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of parents to children, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. So again, there's this idea of, okay, Elijah is going to come and prepare the way for the Messiah. We're getting ready for that. Um, and so seeing what does that actually look like on the ground? It means that evil and evildoers will be burnt up like stubble and never to grow again it's not enough that I mean I don't want to be presumptuous and maybe I'm just excited about the jingle but maybe this could be a farm wisdom moment
1: I was thinking about it yeah you you want to lay on some farm wisdom (laughs) we we can do that I'd also like all the listeners to know that calling it farm wisdom was not my idea (laughs)
0: Farm
1: wisdom, but it does make me think of a of a literal field. Um, I don't know how many of our listeners have gotten the opportunity to walk in a field that has been recently uh, harvested. Um, but uh, depending on what you've harvested, and I'm thinking of something like wheat or beans, uh, the stubble is very short. It's very noticeably short. A lot of times you leave wheat so you can get some uh, straw out of it um, if you want to mow it down. But sometimes you'll cut it clear to the ground. And. And there's it looks shockingly bare from what was there before Um, and kind of coming from uh, that background of uh, living with the field and being a part of the field's uh, life cycle each year. um, There's so much potential when uh, a crop is taken off. And the the weeds are kind of gone as well. It's it's really a bare land. It's a very vulnerable land, quite literally. You can lose a lot of topsoil if you leave it like that. Something needs to be planted there for the sake of the ground and for the sake of, um, for the sake of life.
0: Yeah, there's there's a lot of plant imagery here. Like if there's just that little stubble, I'm also thinking of weeds. Mm -hmm. If you've got like it's such a they always come back. You know, you you go out there and you try and rip them up. And if you just chop off the tops of them, but there's a finality of it all, that it's not merely that God is going to chop it down to stubble and maybe it'll grow back later. But that God's going to burn it then after that, like it's not enough. We want to make sure that none of this comes back. None of those bad plants uh, counter to the. The wheat and the beans and things that we actually want yeah and then we get that line about the the sun of righteousness shall rise and i don't know that's photosynthesis right yeah i think god's gonna make something good grow in that bare field yeah
1: i mean it it, quite literally um you're right something else rises when the land gets warmed and the opportunity to grow something is there again i think for a lot of people they see they only focus on what looks like destruction um, in this text where uh things are taken down and destroyed and probably because we're connecting these things not to to straw and to stubble but to human beings to rulers and leaders that have done Mm. uh, terrible things but straw always fades away like the, there's there's no variety of wheat where the straw stays forever where the stubble stays forever. And mm-hmm. that is true for leaders, too. That is true for the arrogant and for uh, the, the evildoers as well. They cannot stay forever, no matter how much they think they should be able to. hmm. Yeah. And that's a word of comfort. Yeah. I really. I really like what you did with the sun on that one i hadn't connected that moment before but the sun uh, when when people go to plant things they wait for the ground to be warm enough uh, to do that especially when it's outside and and we're all looking at the sun we're all waiting for the sun to to rise to come up and especially this time of year it's hard to make that connection we're coming into well we are in fall and many of us have hit colder temperatures in this particular year already um, so it's hard to imagine the sun doing that particular function. Um, but think about the spring, think about when we're just waiting and anxious to, to arrive at the field again, uh, to plant again. Like this mm-hmm. is an anticipatory moment, not necessarily to wrap up everything like we do in the fall, but to, to look for God's planting like we do in the spring. Andy, my, if I read this, uh, next one. Go for it. All right. This next text comes from 2 Thessalonians, chapter 3, verses 6 through 13. Now we command you, beloved, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to keep away from believers who are living in idleness and not according to the tradition that they have received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us. We were not idle. When we were with you and we did not eat anyone's bread without paying for it both toil and with labor we worked night and day so that we might not burden any of you this was not because we do not have that right but in order to give you an example to imitate for even when we were with you we gave you this command anyone unwilling to work should not eat for we hear that some of you are living in idleness, mere busybodies, not doing any work. Now, such persons we commend, we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. Brothers and sisters, do, do not be weary in doing what is right.
0: So the historical context of all of this is supposed to be that there are folks who are coming around and saying, hey, Jesus is going to be coming back any minute now. So why bother going to work? Why bother doing anything? Let's just kind of chill out and wait for Jesus. And that, from what I understand, is what prompts the author to say, no, we keep doing the things that we do. You need to go to work. We need to make sure that we continue to support the community. Hmm. I think the question for me is, what is the connection to today? What's the parallel for the 21st century? I think,
1: especially in Paul's concern with how the community operates, a lot of times I apply this to the church. How is the church operating and mm-hmm. how? Are, what are we expecting of one another? And I find that there are a lot of clergy and lay that probably expect the church to give them a lot without really investing a lot Mm -hmm. and and sometimes i mean that financially like they expect a lot of things that cost money without investing a lot of money sometimes i expect uh, sometimes i mean that uh to be um with labor and with uh time and and with you know investment of self um into the community uh without doing a lot of that in return. And it's funny. I, I, I used to think that that would only be for large congregations, um, but I find it in congregations of every size. It, it doesn't really matter where you are. For some reason, we have it in our head that the church gives to us, mm. but we don't necessarily give of ourselves to the community that's there.
0: And that there's a blessing in being a part of that, being invested in that community as well like able to live the life that God gave you and live into those blessings and all of that. And I could see that being for the Thessalonian church as well. Like Mm -hmm. it's not enough just to sit back and I don't know, kill time and wait for Jesus. Like you keep doing the ministry, you keep doing the work. I think to throw in a theological wrench to it all, We're not too far removed from Reformation Sunday or Reformation Day. Mm -hmm. And we talk a lot about grace and God's love and forgiveness, that it's a gift. It's not something that we earn. We're not saved by our works. And so it's this old problem that Paul contends with in Romans as well about, well, what place do works have then? So if we're saved by grace, do we need to do anything? Well, No, you don't need to do anything, but you get to do things. This is still what God wants us to do. It's not, that's not what saves us, but um, that's how we live
1: out our salvation there, live into it. I think God ties salvation, like the way that we are saved and we get to do these things. God ties and weaves that thread of salvation through all these things, but that doesn't make the, the acting of these things salvific it makes it places where we see and experience mm-hmm. our salvation but even without that thread and even if we don't understand it that way there needs to be fairness and equity and what we what we expect from one another mm-hmm. we just read in micah about uh the arrogant and the evildoers There's a, there's a certain amount of arrogance that crops up when we think our community owes us something without us also owing our community something. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We are servants to one another. Mm
0: -hmm. Absolutely. That's, that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Um, I think the, the one thing I would be worried about then is for people to then go to, well, that's why we shouldn't help people. People should work on their own. People need to earn their own way. Um, And then add into that the complication of the myth of the welfare queen and things like that. Like we shouldn't just give out things and help people with housing and food and all of that. If they're able to work, they should. And that's mixed up in a lie that people (laughs) don't want to work or um, have a choice in the matter. And that's just not true. And 99.9% Ninety-nine point nine percent of the cases.
1: Correct. Yeah, um, people's defensiveness can arise and say, "Well, we shouldn't help anyone." I think you're you're entirely correct in that. And also, I think this text asks asks of us to dive headfirst, whether in preaching or, if more appropriately, in teaching, during the variety of moments throughout our lives asks of us to dive headfirst into that conversation. Mm -hmm. It's not okay that we have believed these myths and that we have supplanted scripture and the expectations that scripture places on our community with the expectations that we tell each other as a nation or we tell each other as a cultural phenomenon of our time that there are people that will Abuse these things, and that being a good enough reason to not think of what is good for the community. Mm -hmm. Hmm. What's what is like a concise and clear way of being able to say that what is said here by Paul does not preclude charity, does not preclude generosity?
0: Maybe just that last line. Don't grow weary in doing what's right. If we're so worried about Mm -hmm. it and the inefficiencies of the system or not being able to help everybody or people who quote unquote abuse the system and all of that, I mean, just to say that it's still right to do. It's still what God would have us do. This is what has the power to change the world. This charity and this generosity and uh, this hard work.
1: And I think when we read scripture, mm-hmm. we often don't make the explicit claim that God is the one who gets to decide what is right. Like, this this is not a thing that matches often what we do today, where mm-hmm. we each get to take our own little stand and say, from my perspective, I think this is a good idea. I think we need to listen to a variety of voices. That's always useful. I think we need to listen to those voices because God speaks through a variety of voices. But ultimately, and always, we are pursuing the voice of God, not the voice of self Mm -hmm. or the voice of self-interest.
0: I think it could help just to name the ways in which we do grow weary. Mm -hmm. And it can be those things that we've been talking about feeling like there's not enough that we can do or not sure the best way to help people and to work and all of that and fear of people abusing the system just to just to name it all and say doesn't that make you weary doesn't that make you feel like giving up and just saying yeah like let's just kick it until Jesus gets back cuz this isn't going to get any better with us damn and there's this little short but powerful encouragement just to say don't grow weary in doing what's right that doing what's right has the power that 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 work is not in vain
1: i know here that paul's talking about paying for bread and for other things but i think we can also apply this to don't go weary in fighting against injustice don't grow weary in fighting against uh the racism in our midst the sexism in our midst the homophobia in our midst the transphobia The various ways that we have specifically excluded people from the very community that we're trying to uphold.
0: Well, shall we jump over to the gospel? Yeah. All right. I can read that since I only got a verse and a half in earlier. (laughs) So this is Luke 21, verses 5 through 19. When some were speaking about the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God, Jesus said, As for these things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. They asked him, Teacher, when will this be and what will be the sign that is about to take place? And he said, Beware that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name and say, I am he, and the time is near. Do not go after them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified, for these things must take place first, but the end will not follow immediately. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and in various places famines and plagues, and there will be dreadful portents and great signs from heaven. But before all this occurs... They will arrest you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will give you an opportunity to testify. So make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance, for I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, by relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but not a hair of your head will perish. By
1: your endurance, you will gain your souls. I think a lot of times we, we are comfortable, at least we in Christianity currently are comfortable with Jesus saying that he's going to get torn down, that his body is going to be given up but then in the following things we seem to go down to you know like the <laughs> that this in verse 13 this is an opportunity i'm like this sounds like a terrible idea jesus <laughs>
0: like, <laughs> <this> is, like <laughs> right no yeah like why couldn't jesus say you know what's going to happen you're going to get very popular and you're going to have your own radio show or your podcast is really going to blow up and that will be a great opportunity for you to testify on behalf of my name right that sounds great
1: yeah why can't i just go on
0: jimmy fallon make a little cash while you're doing it yeah yeah right right yeah you could be jimmy fallon for jesus that sounds good (laughs) yeah i'll do the late night
1: circuit is that okay
0: yeah but instead it's like no there's just terrible things and i am struck by i think there's when you first read this, I think popular American imagination goes to end of the world. This is yeah. the rapture. This is left behind. This is all of that stuff. But I am always struck every time I read this passage or the parallels in other gospels, I am struck at how familiar everything sounds. Mm-hmm. Like it sounds like the world is ending now if this is supposed to be about the end of the world with capital letters. Mm-hmm. Earthquakes and famines and plagues and nations at war with one another and kingdoms clashing with one another. Like, yeah, that's every day. We can read about stories of people starving and about nations on the brink of war or in the midst of war. And so is the question then, where is Jesus when the world is ending? and what are we supposed to do when the world is ending and i mean you got to skip ahead a little bit to see where jesus is cuz you get over to verse 25 and continue on and you get then they will see the son of man coming in a cloud with power and great glory when these things begin to take place stand up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near i think that might have been the advent one of the the first week of advent yeah. Last year, or still at the beginning of year, see. Mm-hmm. Um, but that idea of you know, you see all these things, and you can know that Jesus is there too. Mm-hmm. That the Son of Man is coming, and you can stand up your he- or lift up your head, stand up straight and tall, knowing that Christ is coming to that. He's not leaving us alone.
1: I have taken a little bit of comfort in what you alluded to um, that though this sounds like today this also sounds like every other moment in the course of history um Mm -hmm. i don't recall in any of my history classes great moments of peace throughout the world um there have been moments of peace inside nations but never from nation for all nations you know and so this i I don't know why, but I am comforted that this is timeless, that this doesn't seem to be different than when Jesus was speaking these words. This doesn't seem to be different today. And so for us to constantly be asking the two questions that you brought up, where is Jesus and what is Jesus calling us to do, means that we're not distracted by the ways that people with power tend to pick fights with other people in power, or more so tend to pick fights with people who have no power.
0: I'm trying to think of some illustrations to latch on to, to, to illustrate that point. I mean, I think you could go one route is to lift up or talk about those end of the world sign seekers, like, Oh, see the Apache helicopters. They definitely are the same as the locusts in revelation. So we know that the day is coming real soon because of all these things. And this thing is the, I don't know, monster energy drink is 666 because it their symbol looks like three vuvs or something. I don't know. Like you can kind of play with that and be like, yeah. And people have done this all the time and said, yep, it's right around the corner because all the signs are here and say, we've always been there. It's always felt that way. And Jesus has promised to always be in Mist of it and to see us through it. Mm. Uh, Another thing to bring up might be especially about that war, nations rising against nations, that there are a generation of kids who have not been alive at a time when the United States was not at war. Yeah. Like there are teenagers who their entire life there's not been a time of peace in our country.
1: Is there a way that we can answer the where is Jesus question and what is Jesus calling us to do question for the decades and centuries prior? Because those are two really difficult questions in the world today. Mm-hmm. I think I got I think I got ideas and answers when I listen to the voices of when I listen to the voices around me that are saying like hey we need help. Hey, you know, our lives are unduly hard. But also, I think it maybe it's helpful to hear where these things have been in recent and distant past.
0: Yeah. I mean, as far as what do we do is, I mean, maybe to harken back to Second Thessalonians is we don't grow weary in doing what is right. We hold out hope that God's will will be done. Like we pray in the Lord's prayer every week or every day for a lot of us. And I think that weird thing that Jesus says about seeing this as an opportunity to testify, to be those agents of God, to proclaim comfort and consolation and hope, Even when it seems like the world is ending. That if God has given you that hope that Jesus is coming and it's going to be okay. Then we can share that as well. And for another illustration. You could lift up people who have offered those words of comfort and hope from prison when they were in the midst of persecution. Um, I think of. Paul is great. He wrote a number of his letters from prison. Um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, of course, in his letters from prison. Martin Luther King Jr. in his letter from Birmingham jail. Um, To say these are people of faith who, even when they were sitting in a jail cell, took it as an opportunity to say, look, because I trust in God, because God has given me the gift of faith, I'm not despairing. And... My hope and prayer is that you don't either
1: i think with all three of those people they also publicly said what the prophet malachi said evildoers will not be here forever they will be cut down and there will be new growth mm-hmm. you know and that last part the new growth part yeah the sun of righteousness rising and warming the ground again. That is so important in the midst of saying people are going to be cut down because we, we hear violent language back and forth all the time. But rarely do we hear people saying the reason that we believe evil will be wrestled out of its position of power. It's because we want something good for the whole world. Mm. It's not because we want power. It's not because we want control. It's not because we want our time to strangle the other plants trying to grow it in the field. It's because we want something good Mm -hmm. for all. Yeah. We have been
0: given faith to believe that something good will grow out of the ashes of the evil that has been destroyed, of the wrong that has been destroyed. You know, Ben, that reminds me of a song. Nice. So my first, well, excuse me. My track for the mixtape is the song Engine to Turn by the artist Tift Merritt. Tift Merritt is awesome. She is an amazing voice, very like folksy country singer songwriter type. Uh, and the song itself I chose because I think it fits in with this feeling of the problems of this world are out of our control. It feels like it's too much to handle. And what do we do in the face of all of that? Uh, all of the injustices and the evil that we see around us. And I just think the words go really well with it. Uh, So I want to share the first verse, the chorus, and the bridge, because I really like the bridge. I don't know how to fix the world. I don't know how to fix myself. Seems like we both need some love. Seems like we both need some help. Maybe you could fix it with might. Maybe you could just stare it down. Seems like some tenderness could turn the whole thing around. I'm just trying to get the engine to turn. I'm just trying to smile through my tears and I still got so much to learn but the best I can is what I have to give gonna give it while I'm here and the bridge goes sometimes there's a choir in my head singing at the top of its voice singing at the top of its voice they sing don't look back don't be scared don't be scared
1: seems like we both
0: need some love seems like It with might. Maybe you could just stare it down. Seems like
1: i And turn.
0: I like that. I'm it is encouraging while also feeling empowering uh, to really embrace that feeling of helplessness and hope hopefulness all rolled up into one uh, and that's why i chose engine to turn
1: Hmm. yeah especially coming right off all saints sunday uh yesterday i like the choir singing and singing in our head yeah absolutely we need that encouragement yeah it's beautiful
0: thanks how about you what's your
1: track for the mixtape well uh i dug through the angst-ridden soundtrack of my youth, um, and came up with "Welcome to the Black Parade" by My Chemical Romance. Um, not that my that my youth was troubled, but you know, uh, I listened to music that was. So, um, I, I think the there's a lot of neat parallels, and obviously, it's not a one-to-one match, but um, the 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 moving uh, chorus when they finally get to it. There's really kind of a a neat tension between the angst that we can feel in some of these texts of uh, the evil and the wrong being turned away and turned out and the work that we have to do. Um, And so that verse goes, sometimes I get the feeling she's watching over me and other times I feel like I should go. And through it all, the rise and fall, the bodies in the streets, and when you're gone, we want you all to know, we'll carry on.
0: She's watching over me, and other times I feel like I should go.
1: idea of of having a work that generations before us us have done and that we continue with. I really like that tension between feeling like sometimes we know exactly where we're supposed to be and sometimes we have no idea where we're supposed to be. And in the anxiety uh, that inevitably comes with this life in Christ, Uh, there's also a really reassuring piece of knowing uh, that we stand in a place where God is, that we're doing work that God does, and that uh, and that we don't need to be worried about the wars. We don't need to be worried about um, the nations rising and falling. We need to be worried about, as you so eloquently put, "Where is Jesus? And what is Jesus calling us to do?"
0: Mm. Cool. I like that a lot. Well, well, well. That's going to do it for us, I think, here at Lectionary Mixtape. We will see all of you or hear. No, you'll hear us, I guess, is how podcasting works. We will be. We will will be, be with all of you. Be with all of you in ear waves and spirit for the next Sunday, which is Christ the King or Reign of Christ Sunday. Uh, And we're planning on having a guest. So we'll have some more about that as well.
1: Hey, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to spending more time with all of us together as we talk about these texts. Mm -hmm. We'll, We'll talk with you next week.
0: Bye.